I'm Alex Marlowe, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we open with discussion of the non-war that has broken out between Ukraine and Russia. The media continued their trend of overreaction toward routine happenings in the region in order to fan the flames of war. The U.S. media and government is now getting to the point where they're actually worse than Pravda. I'm using the fact that the foreign leaders are somehow now more credible than our own. How scary is that? And all this is designed to keep the focus on Big Joey's ever-flagging agenda in the Bidenflation, etc. While there may be a bit of a woke lash going on, that's woke and backlash mixed, in our own heads, the reality in the U.S. is actually a bit different. Trans swimmers continue to dominate the ranks of college sports, and a would-be assassin allegedly connected to Black Lives Matter has been spraying from jail by, you guessed it, Black Lives Matter. So it is more important than ever that we stay diligent in this regard, and I give you all the details in the opening. Hillary Clinton is running for president in 2024 as of now, and maybe at this point she's running unopposed. Her speech ostensibly to endorse Kathy Hochul in New York quickly turned into an unofficial campaign launch party for the Hill Dog 2024 campaign, and I play some cringe-inducing clips to prove it, and yet they still are illustrative in my view. Plus, many more headlines. Two great guests today. The first one is Give, Send, Go founder Jacob Wells. He discusses his alternative site to GoFundMe, the doxing of his users, and the importance faith plays in his life and why an alternative economy that doesn't discriminate based on political ideology is not only necessary, but it's already being formed. Then fan favorite Dr. Sebastian Gorka joins the broadcast again, and I get his take on the spying of the Trump administration, which he thinks is literally the biggest story of all time. And then we break down just what the next Republican president must do in order to drain the swamp. All that to come, but first, a word from our sponsors. I'll start with two items in the news that are not the bleeding edge fresh like I like to, but are just so ridiculously crazy and big. Um, I have to point them out and spend a minute on them. A Black Lives Matter activist, or at least a man who is believed to be that, is accused of attempting to assassinate a Louisville, Kentucky mayoral candidate. And he's been freed on bond after a local Black Lives Matter chapter funded his release, according to our reporting at Breitbart News. A judge set the bond for a man of, accused of shooting at the candidate and four others in an office at $100,000. His name's Quintez Brown, and he's apparently also an anti-gun guy, so he doesn't really like guns unless he's using them to attempt to uh, assassinate people. Um, he has said... According to a website called Vizaka.com, which uh, has a spokesperson, which, which has quoted the Louisville Police Department, that he is, um, uh, the, he's actually a guy who's worked very hard against guns. And he wants the total liberation of Africa under scientific socialism, whatever that means. He believes in some sort of pan-African identity. I'm not sure what that means either. But he also believes in apparently assassinating politicians he doesn't like. So Brown was arrested and charged over the attempted assassination of a mayoral candidate in Louisville. 
and video was provided to law enforcement. A guy named Craig Greenberg was the guy he was trying to assassinate. And they're running for mayor of Louisville. Um, and he is, uh, the, again, Black Lives Matter guy, doesn't like guns unless he's trying to assassinate people. And it's just one of those stories that you cannot believe that it's real until you actually see it, which we have on the front page at Breitbart.com. Mostly peaceful, though. You have to think <clears throat> that if the shoe was on the other foot, that if there was some sort of group that was a mainstream right-wing group that preached one thing, and then the adherents of the group went out and tried to assassinate people, we would never stop talking about it, particularly if there was a racial component. Yet that is the opposite of what is happening in American media. This is a story I've only read on conservative media and obscure blogs, and Breitbart in particular. Anti-gun BLM activist. Charged with attempted murder and freed on bond. And he was freed by a group connected to Black Lives Matter. How cool is that? So Black Lives Matter funding the bond of the accused murderer for 100 grand. Uh, I would be hard-pressed to come up with 100 grand if I attempted to murder someone, which I would never do, needless to say. <clears throat> but this guy, Quintez Brown, gets black lives out of the blower, 100, 100 grand, done, awesome. So he'll be at home incarceration for at least a little bit, whatever that means. So people are suggesting in law enforcement that it's irresponsible that he's been let out on bond. And um, they hope he's held accountable. That's great. Very nice. A little scary that this is where we're at in society, that if you attempt to murder someone, even if you go directly against the stated values of a group, the group will still bail you out anyway because they need to save face politically. Everything cannot become political if we are to be a successful nation. This was the big gripe that Monica Crowley was sharing with a lot of our financial institutions on the show on Wednesday that I thought was pretty profound. That there are supposed to be certain parts of the country that are free from politics. So maybe if Black Lives Matter would like some credibility, maybe that if one of their members tries to assassinate someone, they should just leave them in jail for a while. Uh, the next one that is, again, not bleeding edge fresh, but worth mentioning is the is the story that Emma Jo Morris highlighted for us Breitbart News a couple of days ago. She's been communicating with parents who are fed up with the left-wing uh, nature of our school systems in the private schools. Now, we always know in our, private, our public schools, which are run by the government, are very bad. But now we've got the private schools that are mimicking, if not surpassing, the, pri the public schools in terms of wokeness. The public schools are beholden to the unions, but they also kind of interact with regular everyday Americans more often. The private schools interact with the super elite, and the super elite are getting increasingly woke and are serving the globalist oligarchy more often. I cite over and over again the example of my prestigious prep school that I attended in Los Angeles, that when I was there, even though a drifting left was still basically about intellectual rigor, uh, is now about critical race theory, openly so. And most of the time, these schools that push critical race theory are, in fact, um, they, they, uh, they lie about it. They do it subversively. Well, 
my alma mater does it openly that they believe in critical race theory, which is to quote James Lindsay, who is uh, has a new book out on critical race theory, which we'll talk to him about at some point next week or two. Um, critical race theory, you can boil it down to basically accuse everyone of racism until you get what you want. Anyway, Emma Jo Morris turned up some uh, footage, images, video of private schools nationwide pushing queer inclusivity in their curriculum and trans ideology starting in pre-K. Where they're talking about the vulva and the labia, the penises and the vaginas with pre-K. Well, why can't this stuff be left to the parents? Why can't this stuff be handled at home? They have the gender unicorn, which teaches them all of uh, the things that a gender unicorn could teach, not to mention the transgender and the gender fluid deer. So lots of deers that are used to teach about gender fluidity. They have the genderbred person, which is another cartoon that is passed out that involves x-rated images of oral sex but cartoons so i guess it's okay it's cartoon oral sex for four-year-olds it also gives a playbook for educators to push back against parents who think that this is inappropriate they refer to that as puritan speak and they cite examples of puritan speak as that's my job and they're just not ready and that's too much too soon and they're too young to know that and they give you guidance if you're a teacher and how to push back and if your parents come up to you and say stuff like that so and they give uh, example after example of uh, common complaints that parents might have and they even give you a playbook on how to push back so you could push the transgender on the four-year-olds and the lgbt <coughs> excuse me q plus Keep in mind that this is essentially conversion therapy. They're trying to indoctrinate children to change their sexuality and even change their gender identity. There's no other way to look at this because it is entirely inappropriate that this be introduced at this age. It's one of those things where 10 years ago, even 20 years ago, if we brought this up at Breitbart, this stuff was happening, then there are people on the left who would call, us, would call us conspiracy theorists. They would say we're lying about it. But when you've got people who are not even in kindergarten yet and they're getting this curriculum and it's widespread and you're teaching these things that are just entirely unnecessary for four-year-olds to know and probably are better left off in the home anyway unless you have a home where there's no adult in it, basically, which does exist. And in that case, you know, there needs to be maybe some extreme measures taken. But for the vast majority of children, the stuff that ne never needs to come up in schools, ever. And it's not just public schools now. Now it is in the private schools. People pay, they lobby to get their kids into these schools, and they spend all their time not learning basics, but learning about gender ideology and what they feel like inside. Do they feel like a boy or a girl? Um, if that question is asked of my child, my child will not be going back to school. But maybe some parents were unaware that this was a actual thing that was possible. Starting in pre-K, we talk about their bodies, the parts that they were born with. 
about penises and vaginas and whether they make somebody a boy or a girl, but also their feelings. What do they feel like inside? Do they feel like a boy or a girl? What does their head say? Do their heart and their body match up? Direct quote. What's interesting is there's a, a fair number of homosexuals who write for us at Breitbart and work at Breitbart and uh, et cetera, and many of them reach out and say, like, they, they want nothing to do with this stuff. And this is a common complaint that I've heard for, oh, it's got to be at least 15 years. Sometimes the L's, the G's, and even the B's don't like to always be included with the T's. The T's stuff is a lot for people who are even in the L's and the G's. Now, you're not supposed to say that. Comedians say it all the time. Comedians are, they have got mined a lot of humor out of this. And I'm, I'm not even going to go as far as saying that there aren't any T's. I do think that some adults really are T's. But to make the four-year-olds, to start talking to four-year-olds about being a T, like, hey, four-year-old, what if you're a T? Uh, that strikes me as a little bit child abusive, just a little bit. And maybe in those extreme circumstances where that is the road that the child is on, maybe that's best addressed first in the home. Just a suggestion. But the thought that uh, parents are paying for this stuff, pretty wild. Speaking of, trans swimmers are posting the fastest times at the Ivy League championships. I mentioned earlier in the week that a law that would have prevented Leah Thomas, who is a man and a cheater, from competing against women, even though he is a man, in the Ivy League swimming championships, um, that he is, uh, th that law has been reversed, so then he can't compete. And so the two swimmers, Leah Thomas and Isaac Hennig, who is transitioning from a woman to a man, uh, are swimming the fastest times. And if you surprised by this? I'm not. Isaac Hennig, who is going to become a man, but is holding off on some of his hormones or her hormones. It's confusing even for me. Um, because he, he or she, however you want to call it, wants to stay qualified as a woman. And Leah Thomas, who is already transitioning from a man to a woman, is competing as a woman. We've been talking about him all year long. So when they're posting the best times, incredible. I think the cheating angle is big. It is a way to perhaps note that there are victims in this saga, and it's not just all of us who have to have our ears bleed over this content. It is the others who swim in these races and sadly have not been vocal enough. All right, turning to the war in Ukraine and Russia, the whole of a, the world media decided to overreact to a shelling of a kindergarten. Um, Ukraine accused a Russia-backed Russia fighters of bombing the kindergarten. We don't really know what happened, but it's not really a bombing. It's kind of a shelling which is not the same, it's much lighter. And it is a, is a shell, not a bomb that hit a kindergarten. And um, no kids were injured. Two teachers got treated, but no one died. It's not a good thing, but this has been happening nonstop for like eight years. <clears throat> Ukraine even said that we're not worried about invasion because Russia has been invading us for eight years. It's a direct quote. John Hayward is right up for us at Breitbart News. 
But this was used to spook the stock market. It was used to propel Big Joey to get very excited about what's happening over there and to insist again repeatedly that there will be war between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, not even just the Joe Biden administration, but NATO also said the Russian invasion is still coming. So when it's coming the next several days, he's emphatic that the, the invasion will happen, even though Ukraine and Russia both say there's no invasion coming. So the problem is, and this is why I note over and over again that Putin does think about, no doubt, uh, rekindling or reestablishing the Soviet Union, that sometimes when there's a shelling of a building and a shell hits a building and the building has a very dramatic like kindergarten in it, but no one actually gets killed and barely anyone gets hurt. That's kind of par for the course between Ukraine and Russia and has been for a long time. But again, it's a, if you're holding stock, then you lost a lot of money because of this, because the media decided to care yesterday. We write this stuff up at Brightport all the time. You know, we're no fans of the Russians. And we're no fans of the shelling of preschools or kindergartens, whatever it is. It's terrible. But this is something that if you just tune into Western media that is purely pushing agendas and have an agenda for war and want badly for war between Russia and Ukraine because it gives Big Joey something to talk about, wags the dog, provides a explanation for the bad economy. Um, all of that is just agenda setting because this is all basically the, the first of all, we don't know exactly who this group was. And second of all, it is stuff that does happen all the time, but the media points this out because they want to see, 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 war's coming, war's coming. Trust us, trust us. Again, not impossible for war to happen. It never is. But even Russia started uh, mocking the Western press because they announced that there'd be a day of invasion on Wednesday, remember the 16th? This was the day that uh, Russia was supposed to invade Ukraine. Everyone said it. Everyone announced it in the media. And of course, no invasion took place. And even Russia mocked the Western press uh, for their day of no invasion. Did anyone apologize? Did anyone say, hey, uh, great job, those of you who said it wasn't going to happen? Particularly Breitbart News Daily radio show. Nothing? Bummer. Uh, This is the thing, though, is that it does have a real consequence because the stock market is dropping or has dropped quite a bit because of these bogus predictions that were rooted in nothing. They were rooted in wanting to distract from the horrible stuff that's happening under President Big Joey. So NATO plays along, as is so often the case. The establishment media is excited about it because they want anything to talk about other than the Biden inflation, other than the fact that coronavirus deaths, by the way, and cases are higher than they were last year, which puts the uh, White House in a horrible position as well as all Democrats who are in the election year. Remember, this is an election year. And they're in this ridiculously tough position, which we predicted on the show, where they have to choose between announcing that the toxic COVID policy, announcing that the toxicity of COVID itself means we need to have these really lax voting procedures, or they need to acknowledge that the toxic COVID policies themselves 
are what's really the problem. We need to remove those and give Americans back their freedom. And that's the key to success. And they have to choose, and it's going to be a really hard decision for them. And the, t the true totalitarians, like Fauci, wants us to stay masked, even though the masks don't do anything, and he knows it. There are some people who want to keep talking up the nature of the pandemic from a scientific sense and then hyping it and hyping it and hyping it because that will allow for them to impose cheap by mail and further make it so that there's a lower integrity voter voting system, which they did effectively in 2020. They wouldn't do that. But they also know that at this point that Americans are getting fed up with their lack of freedoms, and if they don't course correct pretty quick, it's going to have major electoral uh, uh, consequences. So they're in a bind here because they don't know what to do and they would much rather talk about Ukraine and Russia going to war so they can make Putin the bad guy because Trump's not around. Because remember, they kicked Trump off Twitter because they thought that was smart. So they can't attack Trump as much as they want to. So White House claiming Russia is privately mobilizing for war. Uh, all right. How do they know that? They won't provide any evidence even though some senior administration officials said that Russia is actually withdrawing troops from the Ukraine border. So even though Russia says that they're withdrawing troops, Biden administration says it's false and actually privately mobilizing for war. Who do you trust in this instance? This is what's so crazy about this. I certainly trust the Ukrainian government more now, and I'm starting to trust the Russian government more than what Big Joey's putting out. And the press has made this okay because the press does not get outraged when the left makes mistakes. You can see it from the notable uh, absence of mainstream reporting on the Durham bombshells from the weekend, which got barely any attention. Because why? They implicate Hillary Clinton, who is now becoming mainstream, and I'm getting a lot of you actually are sending me nice emails pointing out how right I was about this, that Hillary Clinton is the front runner for 2024 for Democrats. Uh, it, it's I've been getting them every day now. You guys are nice. You've been reaching out and saying, you got it. You called it. She's the front runner. She's out there. She gave a very political speech, by the way, on behalf of Kathy Hochul. Um, we actually have some clips of this. Cool, I think. So I'm going to play that in a second. But uh, Hillary's out there. She's pushing for the White House, for sure. And Durham drops these bombshells that she was involved in spying on Donald Trump. So the media won't talk about it. And this gives the Democrat administration's permission to continue to misbehave. Let's play some Hill Dog. How about a cut 15, please, Haley? Go. But now it should be clear to all of us that the struggle for unity and democracy is far from over. When the Republican Party officially embraces violent insurrection as legitimate political discourse, when storming the Capitol, assaulting police officers, trying to overturn an election are being normalized, we are in uncharted territory. And make no mistake, our adversaries around the world are watching. Republicans are defending coup plotters. They're curbing voting rights at precisely the moment when democracy needs champions. 
So this is Hillary ostensibly endorsing Kathy Hochul at a Democrat convention in New York. And why is she talking about January the 6th? Obviously, this is a political speech, and she does not seem to have her fastball there. She didn't look good, and she uh, certainly sounded like she is. she's not as polished. You can tell. But her talking points are just trite left-wing garbage. Exaggerating what January the 6th is all about. Just villainizing citizens, which she does. And failing, as always, to understand what are the underpinnings and motivations of people who are frustrated with what's going on with the ruling class in this country that she's been a part of for my whole life. We got one more clip. Play it. By the way, they've been coming after me again lately, in case you might have noticed. It's funny, the more trouble Trump gets into, the wilder the charges and conspiracy theories about me seem to get. So now his accountants have fired him and investigations draw closer to him and right on cue, the noise machine gets turned up, doesn't it? Fox leads the charge with accusations against me, counting on their audience to fall for it again. And as an aside, they're getting awfully close to actual malice in their attacks. But as I said, don't get distracted. Don't let the extremes of any or either side throw us off course. Focus on the solutions that matter to voters, not the slogans that only matter on Twitter. Uh, Trump's not on Twitter, and most of the political influencers on the right are not on Twitter anymore, it seems like, because Twitter's a horrible place. But special counsel John Durham suggesting after all these years that Hillary Clinton operatives spied on Trump in 2016 and while he was in the White House is not some sort of political attack. It's legit. And you guys know from my perspective, I have not been the biggest booster of Mr. Durham. Kind of thinking he's moving pretty slow. All right, she's back. She's back and she's the front runner. Same old Hillary. Definitely old. I will get into later in the broadcast how it doxed Ontario uh, Freedom Convoy operators or boosters are losing jobs, having personal information spilled about them over donations as little as $100. So this is really an unbelievable thing that's happening with the authoritarian Justin Trudeau and a, a integral part of the Great Reset to empower the globalist oligarchy or aristocracy, the super elite, a tool of the ruling class, if there ever was one. A guy who was born on third base and was uh, a, a guy who proverbially was born on third base and was told he was hit a triple. He had hit a triple. Not my smoothest, but you get the point. But Canada police are apparently saying the names of, tru- of truckers and trucker protesters to financial institutions for financial blacklisting. This is one of the things we've warned about for a very long time at Breitbart. Uh, is that the next phase of cancel culture will be you won't be able to have things like bank accounts. So this is very scary because this will really cut the livelihoods down officially. We know that when you don't have access to things like social media and you have less advertising and all that stuff because you're right of center, that affects certain businesses. 
But when you literally can't have a bank account, then that means you literally cannot have a business. And that's what's happening now with the truckers. Um, and Trudeau keeps ramping up the insane attacks, calling a conservative Jewish lawmaker saying that he stands with Nazis, but you got a lot of pushback for that. But troubling stuff in Canada, and uh, there is, I don't know if there's enough opportunity to push back. I really don't. Um, I will mention Peter Schweitzer's book, Red Handed, New York Times bestseller, number one for the third week in a row, which is the first for Peter in that regard. I think he's had a couple of uh, books, two in a row, maybe, maybe, but definitely nothing three in a row. So that's pretty big. It's a phenomenon. And we have a big story at Breitbart News. We, uh, 20 Republicans who sold out to China. Some names are not a surprise to you, like Cocaine Mitch McConnell, George H.W. Bush and Jeb Bush. Those names should not be surprising. Uh, but did you know that John Boehner sold out to China? Or how about Haley Barber? Or former Senator David Vitter? For how about uh, former governor of Iowa, Terry Branstad? Big, big deals cut between Iowa and um, China. Very unfortunate. Former Senator Norm Coleman, former Representative Connie Mack IV, couple of familiar names to all of you guys and, and many others and a lot of familiar names there as well. Trent Lott, Jeff Denham, I'm sorry, Jeff Demon, different, Ed Royce, Jack Kingston, who the establishment likes to prop up as a Republican. All these uh, goofballs cut deals with China, selling us down the river, empowering Xi Jinping. Pathetic, pathetic. Almost as pathetic as the four Republican senators who failed to show up for a vote to defund the vaccine mandates. Mitt Romney is one of them. Jim Inhofe from Oklahoma, very disappointing guy. Got much worse over the years. Richard Burr of North Carolina and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. No showed. That ensured the failure of an effort to defund the vaccine mandates. You should call them up and then you should primary them. All of them. Even Inhofe, who's good in a lot of stuff. Because people get confused. You, if you're in power too long, you get confused. Last one I will mention, which is just almost hilarious, but also horrifying. Brian Cranston, who's the actor best known for Breaking Bad and Malcolm in the Middle. He's atoning for his whiteness, and he's confessed to white blindness. And he, see, he says, I need to learn and I need to change. Isn't that powerful? He has white blindness. Um, he said after the death of George Floyd, the subsequent Black Lives Matter riots that really destroyed so many of our cities and continue to this day, I think, ideologically. That made him come face to face with his own white blindness. And he said, and I realize, oh my God, if there's one, there's two. And if there's two, there are 20 blind spots that I have. What else am I blind to? So powerful, so deep. Why do these actors in particular, these Hollywood stars who have it all, why do they feel like it's so important to do this woke virtue signaling? Why can't they just push back and say, stop it? It's the, um, uh, if I had success, because I'm talented and I worked really hard and everyone needs to get over the race stuff. None of them do that. They all say, you know what? Actually, upon further reflection, it really was my whiteness. Very pathetic. 
and uh, will tarnish legacies. I'll tell you that because uh, many more people disagree with that than I think uh, these Hollywood types. Uh, that I think they that I think they realize. First guest today, Give, Send, Go founder, Jacob Wells. His website is an alternative to GoFundMe, and it's gotten a lot of popularity for backing the Freedom Convoy out of Canada. But he does have some security issues that he's working through rather publicly. We get into all that, what he's doing about it, and the importance of this alternative economy that is being formed amongst people who don't want to discriminate based on whoever the woke mob is going after at that moment. So uh, I think he's got a great story, and we get it right now. Jacob, it's great to have you on. I want to talk about your company and how you've kind of stepped in to fill the void uh, as something has taken place that we've been tracking for years at Breitbart that is just escalating in our cancel culture moment, which is that is becoming verboten literally to even raise money for causes that go against the political left. The GoFundMes of the world have been under immense pressure from the left to not allow for people who, in my opinion, have just causes to raise money on their platforms. Uh, this is where you step in. I, explain to me what's going on with these, uh, with your kind of mission statement. Explain to me what's going on with these leaks and this doxing that's taking place online of people who want to give to the trucker convoy. Sure. Thanks for having me on. I, in regards to what's going on specifically recently, um, Gibson Go has stepped into a place where several other technology companies are beginning to step into, which is a place that says uh, our role as a business isn't to be judge and jury, um, especially in a country that's founded upon principles like freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and, and all of those things. But there's laws that define those things. So we've taken that step back and, and removed ourselves from that. But in, in regards to the leak that you said recently, in, in doing that, in taking that position of freedom, you put a big target on your back. And, and it's very interesting with this case, particularly um, with Justin Trudeau and, and what the Canadian government did with the Emergency Powers Act and, and all of that is, is that they made it illegal for people to support the campaign. And then immediately after somebody hacks into our site and is able to access the names of people that have given and, um, and have disclosed it for them, the Canadian government to go after those very same people. And this person that's now somewhat been identified or connected um, has ties to, as the hackers has ties to Canadian intelligence. So it's very, very interesting. Um, we put a lot into trying to protect our data. It seemed like a very high level coordinated attack um, that was made to intimidate people. It's like you said, the left using using fear as a tactic to intimidate people. So we're, the investigation is ongoing. We're looking at um, on how you know we're going to see justice found in this situation. Uh, how much has your platform grown, do you think, over recent weeks where you've gotten all this publicity for just simply not being a beholden to the woke left? 
Oh, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and I think this is the, the problem that the left never understands is that they, they attack this way and it only makes us stronger. It only makes us better. It only gets our name out there further. So we're seeing, um, you know, we, we saw a 1,000% increase in our growth just over this past several weeks because of this and people vowing never to use that other crowdfunding site again just because of how they've pushed their ideology down like other big tech, bad tech platforms. Um, and so, yeah, massive growth um, and and massive growth since we stepped into this game two years ago when we allowed Kyle Rittenhouse to use our platform to fundraise when no one else would. Um, it's this ongoing we're in 40 countries around the world. People are using us everywhere. And it's this is just the beginning, I believe. Um, so I want to talk about the details of this alleged hack, which led to leaks of who donated to the Freedom Convoy uh, give, uh, using your platform. Can you describe to us the details from your perspective? Well, again, it's an ongoing investigation. I, I think what I said earlier, which was um, the timing is very suspicious with what the Canadian government did, what Justin Trudeau did, and then an individual who's come out online um, and taken credit for initiating this, um, who has a history of being connected with Canadian intelligence, um, has came at came at our platform and our you know our platform we've we've gone through this process over the over the past years of hiring outside firms to to audit our company to do regular security audits um to put best practices in place these are things that we're very proactive about um but this was a very very high level coordinated attack um i think like i said for the very intent very purpose of pushing people um, through fear, um, and and I mean, there's there's reports coming out of people that are being harassed and doxxed and um, intimidated because their names were released, and I think that was the very purpose intended by this, um, and and it points right back to the the Canadian government. In terms of security, do you have any regrets in terms of how the platform is set up in terms of security? Because I do want, you know, I want to be, you be able to plug the platform. I want people to be confident in my audience that if they give, that they're not going to get docs and harassed in the future. Is something that's being addressed? Yeah. yeah oh, 100%. I mean, I, one is, is complete. We've brought on, um, we're hiring as fast as we can. And we're bringing on some incredible security experts right now to help uh, look through, scan through our platform and, and continue things that we've, things that we've had ongoing, but what we're upping the level, you know, obviously the bigger the target that you are, um, the more name recognition that you have, um, the more potential that you're going to be under attack. And, um, and so we need to increase that you know, on our side, continue to increase that significantly. So we are heavily, heavily investing in this. This is something that we never, ever, ever wanted to happen, hope, you know, and, and hope will ever happen. Again, we're doing everything in our power. We're investing. We're bringing on strategic partners with high-level uh, tech, tech people to, to just make this, to make this something that 
in uh, in the best of our ability never happens again. And, you know, if you look over the past, the thing with technology is a constantly moving t- target. And over the past three years, you can see the biggest companies in technology have had data breaches um, from Facebook to Experian to Equifax to uh, Walmart. And it is a constantly moving thing. And we're bringing on the best teams to prevent it from ever happening again. And, and I want to give that assurance to anybody that's listening. This is what we're fighting for. Um, and also, our platform is a platform of freedom. Everything that happens on our platform is for freedom-loving people. Um, so there's a level of, at the same time, we ought not to be ashamed as much as, you know, because card numbers weren't exposed. This is really a, um, an email and a name and a donation amount type of, sure. type of thing. The people, as bad as this was, this really is a moment for people to say, you know what? I don't need to be ashamed about giving $50 to a freedom convoy. Um, and, and we need to bind together um, and, and stand in that moment as well. And I, I think that's part of where we've come in a society is people have kind of just kept their head down and gone along um, kind of hiding, hiding their true feelings and just being walked over and letting things slide by. And this, I think, really is a moment for people to rise up and say, no, enough is enough. I haven't done anything wrong. What I gave to is completely fine, like all the things on our platform are, because they are fine, um, and, 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 and push on that. But, but, yes, we're completely committed to having the best technology and the best security for our users. Jacob Wells is with me. He's the founder of Give, Send, Go. Uh, and it was something about your group. It's not that you're a right-wing company. It's that you're, I guess, uh, you are, you don't go along with these sort of woke leftism that's pervading so much of our culture, but you are openly Christian, which I find interesting and probably something the audience will be interested in as well. Can you speak to this? Yeah. uh, Our our mission statement is to share the hope of Jesus through crowdfunding. And um, it's interesting that this, that I, I believe it's interesting from our faith perspective that um, we see God using our platform to be the vehicle of bringing freedom back again into uh, into the tech space in this way. Um, we we are not ideologically driven on the left or the right. We've allowed campaigns that we very much disagree with on both sides. Um, obviously, everyone has their own personal leanings, but our platform, uh, we say, is it's not neutral. It's focused, and that focus is on the hope that we have that no matter what happens in this life, there are things beyond the material. And we all know this. Like no amount of money that you raise for a tragic car accident for somebody that's just lost their child, no amount of money is going to heal that hurt and pain. But there is a hope that can, and that comes through God and, and, and through the hope that Jesus brings. And that's what we believe, and so that's what we want to share with people as they come to use the platform. That's our purpose. This is why we, we actually hire a Prayer t- we've, we've, we have a whole team of people that just call every campaign owner, and they pray with them. They say, hey, we know what you're going through. We've read your campaign, and we want to pray with you. No matter what the situation is, we want to share hope with people. And, and the response from that prayer team as they get off the phone after calling people that are using our platform, these people are blown away that a tech company would reach into their situation and spend a moment to actually talk with them about what they're going through in life. And it has, it, it's another reason, I believe, for the tremendous growth that we're having. It centers us in everything that we do. We always come back to how can we share hope in this moment? 
I don't want to. It, it is definitely not a right or left issue for this for us. It is a it is a uh, an issue of seeing hope brought into difficult situations and and freedom reign. And freedom, we believe, is a fundamental ethic to what God did in this world. He granted it. And the role of a Christian is not to restrict freedom, just like God showed us. He gave freedom, freedom in the garden. People can make their choice. And when when wrong was done, he injected himself into the situation to, to heal the hurt, to bring hope in the difficulty. And that's the call of us as Christians, is that in the midst of difficulty, we don't restrict people's freedom. We come alongside the brokenness that comes as a result of those freedoms, and we share hope and we give a helping hand, and we encourage people. And that's our role. That's what we do as a platform, and we allow freedom. We allow things that we don't agree with uh, completely. We are a neutral platform in that regard, and people can raise money for whatever legal activities we allow in this country. Jacob Wells of Give, Send, Go. I've only got a couple minutes left, and I've got uh, way more questions than we'll get to in that time, but uh, as efficiently as we can, uh, does the Canadian government have any jurisdiction over you? Because I'm concerned that some of the people who donate the Freedom Convoy will get blocked. Uh, is You've committed to making sure the money does get to the convoy. Is this realistic? Is this possible? Where do we stand here? Yeah, so the Canadian government does not have jurisdiction over Gifsango. We are a U.S. Uh, US company, and the funds from these campaigns these convoy campaigns in Canada are flowing into U.S. bank accounts. Um, so they are outside of the purview of the Canadian government. Now, obviously, Canadian, the Canadian government, there are, um, there are international agreements. There are laws that they can put in place. Um, and, and they've decided to crack down in-house within the country of Canada to restrict as much as they can any funds flowing to people that are connected to these campaigns. Now, Gibson Goat's position is the money is fluid. It's here in the accounts in the U.S. We're going to do everything that we can, and we're in coordination with those people on the ground to ensure that those funds legally are delivered to those campaign owners. And we know that this is an ongoing fight, that there's a legal battle that they're waging in Canada. And so we're looking for the best, most secure ways to legally get funds to them, and we're working with them to see that done. So um, that, that there are challenges because of the laws that the Canadians have put in place around their own citizens. Um, and, and we're just, we're talking through what the ways, what are the best ways that we can make that happen. But we are 100% committed to seeing that happen and the funds are not frozen. Um, when it comes to Twitter, Twitter has allowed for published material of the hack to remain online, even though they have an anti-hacked material policy. Have you had any engagement with Twitter? Uh, do you have any reaction to this? Is this still going on? Uh, it's, it appears that it is. Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's typical of big tech platforms, which is complete hypocrisy. They'll hold back Hunter Biden's laptop story because of sure. the potential of hacking material, but they won't on anything that doesn't fit their narrative and what they're trying to see accomplished. And this doesn't fit what they want to see. And this goes the same with GoFundMe, GoFundMe uh, allowing uh, funds raised for occupations in Seattle and across the country through 2020 and seeing funds flow easily to those places. Um, but when the shoe's on the other foot, they don't want to do anything. And 
We're seeing this hypocrisy over and over again. It's exposing who they are. With Twitter in particular, you know, it's laughable, their policies. Our attorneys are looking at recourse, whatever we can do as far as our position. Um, we, we think it's horrific. I do, like I said before, I think it's a moment for people to stand up um, that have been affected and be uh, and, and not be afraid and say, you know what, I didn't do anything wrong. I gave to freedom and we live in a free society. Uh, how can people support Give, Send, Go if they want to participate? Yeah, if, if you um, share about us to people, tell your friends never to use that other site again for fundraising. I really believe that Give, Send, Go is the tip of the spear in this technology revolution going against big tech because I think GoFundMe is the weakest of the big tech oligarchs, the, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the GoFundMe. Um, it, it has the least stickiness. People aren't on it all the time, so people aren't as connected to it. I think we stand in the best position to take them down first and then to see this, uh, this movement of toppling of the rest of big tech. But they can do it by sharing with their friends, never using those other pla- that other platform again, using Give, Send, Go. We're committed to your security and your safety on our platform. Um, we're, we're building up the platform every day. It's getting better and better. And, um, you know, there's, there's people can donate to us. We have a donation spot because we are a free platform. We operate on the generosity of our users, um, and they can do that on our homepage. Um, but, again, just, just share about us. If you have skill sets and you want to be involved, we're hiring. So you can contact us at jobs at givesango.com. And, we, you know, we want a, an amazing team. We have an amazing team. Growing Jacob Wells. I really appreciate it. Give, send, go is the website. Thanks so much for the time. And I hope to have you back at some point. We'll be right back. Dr. Gorka joins us again today, and we talk about a wide variety of stuff from the National Defense University importing a French socialist to lecture our colonels who would be generals, horrifying stuff that's going to take place in a few days as you're listening to the show. And then we also get into what the next Republican must do in order to drain the swamp, which is increasingly swampy, as we're learning from the latest Durham revelations, which he also opines on. All that in the interview. Let's roll it. Dr. G, thanks for uh, coming on the show with me. America First is his radio show on the Salem stations every afternoon and the Gorka Reality Check Sundays on Newsmax. Well, I want to get your thoughts on the ongoing non-situation between Ukraine and Russia, Dr. G. Give me your assessment on what we need to know. Uh, That it will not be resolved by anything that the senile, doddering old man in the White House does and that uh, no piece of advice rational or otherwise given to this administration would make a difference because it's who is in the white house that led to this situation so we would not have a hundred and thirty thousand troops on the border of ukraine if donald trump were still president so that's the sad reality it's just it's a complete redo of the eight years of obama when when you have an administration that comes in with an ideology that America is the problem, that we are the source of everything wicked in the world that starts with an apology tour, then what happens? Last time we had the rise of ISIS. We had 
China on the march. We had Iran with the JCPOA Iran deal. We had Russia invading Ukraine. That's what happened under Obama. And now we have somebody who's even more incompetent. Just a little reminder, Robert Gates, who served as CIA director and defense secretary for Obama, a quintessential swamp survivor, decades of service in the uh, intelligence and defense community in his memoirs said, Back then, Biden has a track record of being wrong on every serious geopolitical yeah. issue for 40 years. Well, he's proving it yet again. Yeah, he certainly is. And this is where it's something that I was noticing, Dr. G, that's pretty unbelievable because I'm not exactly a Ukraine or a Russian ophile, but I, I'm actually finding the information coming out of Ukraine in particular, but even Russia, more credible than what we're getting out of the Biden administration because they won't give us evidence of their claims. Uh, they keep hyping things that end up not coming true. We know they're trying to wag the dog from all the horrible political news they're getting. I mean, and you can see it with the way the Democrats are running away from the Biden agenda like the the build back better um stuff and the the biden inflation i mean they, they won't even a, a message where biden is very clear he wants to build back better they're not even talking about it anymore uh because again it, it's a non-starter with the voters so this is insane if like i i can't believe i'm saying i'm finding myself believing foreign leaders more than the united states government well look i've used it twice, I think, on my show already, that amazing clip of, uh, you know, he's, he's quite a troublemaker, Matt Lee, um, from, I think it's AP at the State Department press conference a week ago with Ned Price, where he just says, okay, uh, where's the proof? Where's the proof that Russia is going to do this false flag operation? Ned Price said, well, it's declassified, and I just told you. No, 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 that's not evidence. We want to see if you declassified it, show us. And then Ned Price goes, well, we can give you the transcript of what I just said as the proof. I mean, a six-year-old would be more professional than Ned Price. And that's where we are right now. Just trust me. Just trust me. I declassified it, but I can't tell you. Yeah, exactly. So any predictions on where it goes from here? Uh, I think, look, he, he definitely needs to, to get the eastern part of Ukraine. I don't think he deployed 130,000 troops just to rattle a saber. I think there will be an invasion. It's not going to be the whole of Ukraine. But if you look at the, the Rus land, the mythical source of the, the Russian identity, it is Kiev. It is eastern Ukraine. So he's going to play just, just like he's done with Crimea. He's going to play for keeps and it's going to get real very quickly. All right, next one for today, and this is a big one because you highlighted this for us, but I think you really uh, keyed in on something super important, that the Pentagon's National Defense University is going to host a lecture on the case for socialism, uh, and it's going to be conducted by this guy, Thomas Piketty, who's a French economist, who's really the darlings of the globalist movement. He's an actual communist, like a literal Western communist, and not in the communist, like a CCP communist type guy, even though I'm sure he's sympathetic if you pin him down, uh, but he's a guy who actually believes in just wealth distribution to the level that would dwarf socialism. Who is this guy and why does he have any business talking to the National Defense University? Well, Thomas Piketty, who teaches in France, who teaches at LSE, who wrote the book Capital for the 21st Century. If that rings a bell, he's writing the new version of Karl Marx's Das Kapital, loves socialism. And he was invited. This, this is the stunning thing. And this is personal for me, because 
before I moved to the Marine Corps University and, and then the White House, I ended up as associate dean at National Defense University, which is in D.C. It is the highest institution of professional military learning in the Department of Defense. If you're going to become a general, you've got to do time at Fort McNair, do a master's degree at National Defense University. And this institution belongs to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. This is what people don't understand. NDU belongs to Mark Milley, and they invited Thomas Piketty to give ah. a lecture on how the only way that America can deal with national security in the future is to become a socialist state. So on your dime, on my taxpayer dime, on the oldest military base in America, this is the base where the Lincoln conspirators were executed after the Lincoln assassination. They invited a socialist to lecture U.S. officers on how America needs to be a socialist wow. nation. And, and, and God bless you, know, you and Christina Wong for, for turning this into a story. It was so successful that NDU stopped picking up the phone after two days because of the outrage we managed to communicate. This is amazing, and it's supposed to take place in four days, but as far as we know, it's going to go on. So we're going to have, uh, by the way, I love the joke about his his book, Capital in the 21st Century, is being a re referred to as a Das Kapital in the 21st Century as a uh, Marxism reference, because it is Marxist. And this guy's gotten a lot of stuff wrong, too, and I'm, we need to go back in his history. Just the point is, is that this is a wokeification of the military that's not cute or amusing or kind of annoying or pandering. I mean, this is true indoctrination now. That's where we're heading towards. So if, if you read the announcement from, from the uh, institute that's hosting him at the Eisenhower School, can we be clear here? A communist is lecturing U.S. officers on how America needs to be a socialist nation, is being held at the Eisenhower School. That, that announcement talks about Western arrogance, that America must stop its Western arrogance and must become an egalitarian, ecological, socialist state. That insanity. This institution has one purpose and one purpose alone. When I was there, it was to train U.S. warfighters to understand and destroy their enemies, not to become their enemies. But that's what happens under a Biden administration with the likes of Mark Milley and Lloyd Austin in charge. And, and you know, think of what the Chinese think. Think of what Russia thinks, that this is what is happening. True socialists from the Socialist Party are lecturing our troops. So guys, keep the pressure up. Yeah, yeah, email ndu.edu and let's make sure that this never ever happens again so uh, i'm gonna ask dr g let's say the the you get president trump back because again he's uh, if he runs then he's will probably cakewalk in a primary and then he'll you know be heavily favored i think in a general despite all the cheating just because of how bad things are going on not to say there isn't a very high likelihood that he could still lose due to all the cheating um but the let's say trump gets back in i, I mean it just seems so daunting to drain the swamp even more so now than ever just because everywhere you turn how could we have this the national defense university is uh, this far gone i mean what hope is there for the rest of the agencies across the country 
Well, look, I, I, I had a tactic. Uh, I recommended it to the Trump administration way back then. Mike Flynn, uh, you know, God, God bless him, said it was, you know, too provocative. I think now we have to do it, uh, you know, even more. Uh, and there's a couple of things. Uh, number one, most of the general officers when it comes to the Defense Department have to be fired. Uh, number two, at, at various agencies across the United States, you find, uh, you know, you, you, you find two examples of people who have egregiously uh, broken the law and you perp walk them out of the building. I don't care whether it's agriculture, whether it's education. You make an example of two people who have banked rights evidence against them that they have suborned sedition. They have stolen. They are corrupt. They have sub subverted the will of the American people. And you walk them out of the building in cuffs uh, on front of camera. That, that's how you change a culture. And the last thing, which is... I, I, I agree. And I, I didn't think I would be there, Dr. G. I wouldn't think this is no. necessary in my country, but I'm, I'm there now. No, it shouldn't be. It, it shouldn't be. And, and then the, the last one, which will have the longest, uh, longest term effect on, on the culture of the swamp. And it's so easy to do because guess what? The executive branch works for the chief executive, and that's the president, is that every department should be moved out of D.C. I mean, you know, the, the, the fact is we have a concentration of power in the permanent bureaucracy. People who think presidents come and go. I'm an SES. I'm an SIS. I've been right, here 20 years. Right, I'm going to decide right. American policy. Well, guess what? You're not going to want to live in Montana. So let's move the State Department to South Dakota, let's move the Department of Agriculture to Wisconsin, and who's going who's gonna to actually go and want to work there? The locals of those states who actually love believe that. in America. So, and, and so important. Control. This is another one where it just it's, it's an idea I've had, but it's, an, it's moved so far up my priority list to move the agencies around the, the country and not just have, have them be... To. Yeah, we the have only to way we break we have their to. culture so they don't become fiefdoms of, of bureaucrats who think that they own that sector. That's what we have in D.C. Yeah, it's really interesting because I do have friends in some of the agencies and, you know, because I, 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 my, my deep connections in D.C. and Northern Virginia, et cetera, uh, the, a lot of them, I actually, I feel bad for them not necessarily going to work, though I do in some cases, but I sometimes feel bad for them just having to live in the swamp, like it just, you know, on weekends, like on Saturdays, like the, the, you're, the, then you wake up and you're in the swamp I mean, and you're not in a part. Yeah. This is a city. This is a city that voted 93% for Hillary Clinton. This is my point. And, and not to mention, uh, of the 7% who didn't, these are not Trump guys. These are people who like, you know, Marco Rubio and Heb Bush. Right. So you know, that, that tells you everything you need to know about Washington, Washington D.C. It's not the nation's capital. It is a hive of, Demo mm. of Democrats who That's think right. that they know better than the elected president. Which should not be acceptable. Uh, Dr. G, I've got a few minutes left with you, and I've got some really big ones. Uh, the, the first one that I should have mentioned probably earlier in the show, uh, but I'm mentioning it now, a genocide Barbie, Eileen Gu, the worst person in the world, literally the worst person on planet Earth, who is sports washing the genocidal Chinese regime, um, the American who trains in America, who wins championships in America, is going to go to Stanford, but is winning gold for the uh, CCP. Uh, she's made $40 million as far in Chinese product endorsements. And then it just, it, I feel so stupid that I hadn't put this together, that it, it wasn't just cultural and it wasn't just about, um, you know, perhaps some sort of maybe marginal 
uh, a financial benefit, which of course I could see coming. It's literally, she's already making tens of millions of dollars in that sweet, sweet commie cash. And I just, I, I should have emphasized this point that obviously it's literally selling out. No, it is. I, it, it, it's treasonous, really. Why? Because you're supporting a regime, you're profiting from a regime that has, uh, has ostensibly and, and very publicly said, we will crush America and we will replace America. In, in, in prior eras, if, if you had done that in, in, in a war situation when there were bullets flying, you would be arrested and you would be tried for treason. You are profiting from a regime that under the one belt, one road and the unrestricted warfare strategy has stated that America must be displaced. There's a word for that, and it's treason. And I don't care whether you're a sports person. It's like, it's like Lord Hawhaw. It's like Tokyo Rose. You are supporting a dictatorial regime with your face, with, with your brand. That's what propagandists did during World War II, and that's what you're doing right now, and you're profiting from blood money. What she receives is literal labor camp blood money, and Americans need to understand that, and we need to stop buying Chinese garbage. We need President Trump in the back, back in the White House, and we need a trade war again with China that will bring it to its knees. So much good content in there. Thanks, Dr. G. Uh, let me ask you about the latest Durham memo. Um, it is, I think, pretty explosive. Um, I think it's very interesting how Hillary Clinton's out there calling conspiracy theories. This is her tactic. Whenever people have her uh, over a barrel, then she always acts like it's. It, she does literally, it, the expression is gaslighting, which is overused, but that is what she does. She just says, oh, that's all conspiracy theory. Just know the more she protests, the more obvious it is they've got her uh, pretty good here. What are your thoughts on the memo and where we go from here? Uh, probably the biggest piece of news since I've lived in the United States. It's page two wow. of this seemingly innocuous memo about conflict of interest, but read page two of the memo. We had Cash Patel on the show for an hour yesterday. When we find out that we have a private company that was working with Michael Sussman, with Perkins Coie, that were working for Clinton, that was having its cyber techies target not only President Trump's offices in Trump Tower, not only his apartment in Manhattan, but also the White House when we lived there. And then the next se se sentence that everybody misses, that private company had a, quote, sensitive arrangement with the U.S. government to provide Internet services to the White House. What does that mean, sensitive arrangement? It means they were controlling the classified information system for the White House. So they were spying on us, Alex, but they had a quote-unquote contract to make the spying look legit. This makes Watergate absolutely, utterly irrelevant. I was told when I was in the White House that we were being surveilled, that myself, Steve Bannon, the president, the sure. people working for the man elected by 64 million Americans were being surveilled upon, and now we have it in a special counsel's court filing. So uh, things are going to get very, 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 very interesting very fast. Um, so what do we do from here? What do we do what do we, uh, to hold people accountable? It's not up to us right now. It's, it's up to John Durham. Uh, I, I asked Cash Patel. I've asked others. Is he slow rolling it? They've said, no, this is how you build a case 
against a massive conspiracy. But it's not Sussman. It's the people who actually engineered it. It is Comey. It is Brennan. It is Hayden. And at the end of the line, you know who's really responsible. It's Hillary Clinton. That's why she's sure. commenting for the first time ever. And that's why she gives a speech yesterday where she, she tries to blame Fox viewers uh, this is a special counsel's indictment document in front of a court. This isn't yeah. you know, Jesse Waters Sorry. giving a monologue. So she is clearly uncomfortable. Comey is absolutely silent. Brennan is silent. And that tells you, I think, the fact that nothing has leaked from the Durham investigation potentially means that this guy is serious. So strap in, America. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, America First, every afternoon on the Salem stations and the Gorka Reality Check on Sundays on Newsmax. And uh, all of his books are very good as well. I've read them all. Thanks, Dr. G. God bless you in the list. Thanks, Alex. I got American parts. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out the full show on SiriusXM Live, 6 a.m. Every weekday morning, that's Eastern Time, and on the SXM app for the full three-hour broadcast. You can catch my interview with Charlie Hurt, which was great, and all of our callers as well. So all that, thanks to Haley and Greg Eben, who are producers. And thanks to Jerome Hudson for handling yesterday's broadcast. And we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.